Hello, good afternoon, bonjour, bonsoir, and welcome to the C'est La Vie podcast. This is a podcast where you and I will take a deep dive into what it means to be Quebecois. Every month, we will be exploring different issues and hearing from artists, entrepreneurs, and just the everyday average Jean-Claude to hear the stories and experiences of people around this beautiful province. But before we get into that, I want to tell you a bit about myself. My name is Sampreet Arnasia. I am not a talking squirrel. I'm not even a talking cup of poutine with glasses and a beard. I am just an artist. An artist that loves his city of Montreal. I'm the lead vocalist of a band. I am a filmmaker. I'm an actor. I've traveled to over 12 countries and spoken five languages. But after all my travels, I can honestly say that there's no place like home. And something that always draws me back to Quebec culture and Montreal culture as a whole is how much of an influence it's truly had on me as an artist. You see, all these things I mentioned before, that's not always who I was. In fact, in high school, I was quite the opposite. I was pretty shy, I was awkward, I didn't really speak to anyone, I had my small little group of friends, but besides that, didn't really raise my voice. In fact, doing something like this podcast is something I would never have imagined myself ever doing. So what changed? Well, I went to CJEP at Dawson College. That means I was downtown every single day, always trying new food, always staying after school just to hang around in the clubs and interact with all these different social events. I just got pulled right in and they welcomed me with open arms and ever since then it has been a beautiful experience of networks of connections and of great conversations and insight and it sent me on this lifelong journey to soak in as many experiences as i can possibly soak in before my time on this big floating rock is all done so that being said Today, we are going to explore how art influences our cultural identity. And before we jump right in, I want to introduce you to a local Quebec poet. Her name is Aisha Farid, and here she is performing an original poem called Broken Free. Truly powerful and ties right into everything we're going to be talking about today. So here's Aisha Farid with Broken Free. All you ever did was try to change me. You gave me no reason. To be me and you insisted i be authentic how could i do that when you found it so offensive you found my spirit whole and you crushed it substituting it for what you thought would be better accepted you held who i was in your mind in the palm of your hand and you molded it i became what you wanted me to be and what you wanted the world to see but what about me what about my identity they didn't like the way we looked you see so they simply chose to ignore you and me. In fearing what I wasn't and who I couldn't be, I let go of my identity, when I should have been embracing those different parts of me. I could feel it in my bones, in blinding lights, endless fights between me and, well, me. You just couldn't let me be. You wanted to erase me and my identity. You told me all that you liked and what you thought we should be. What I should have seen is that you probably didn't appreciate me if you were trying to change me. I tried to give you what you wanted, even though it left me brokenhearted. The hole in my heart is the size of me. It's my identity. I wanted to give you what you wanted, but I was losing me. And when I finally gave in to who I really wanted to be and let you see the real me, it was terrifying, 
It was horrifying. It was thrilling. To break free from the things that tried to change me and the things that tried to eviscerate me, it was nice to finally see my identity break free. Wow, that was truly powerful and very moving. And I want to thank Aisha Farid for participating in this podcast. And for those of you guys that are interested in finding out more about Aisha's work, her information as well as all the artists and speakers you will be hearing in any podcast will be available for your reference on the Why for Why podcast website. I will include resources from region to region for all of you that are looking to explore the arts and try to get yourself out there. Now, without further ado, I want to introduce our first speakers of the day. We're going to be talking to Tyler Morin and Christopher Burge. Now, Tyler is a local musician who we're going to be hearing some of his music later on, and Christopher is an executive at CJEP. So we're going to get right into this conversation. So, Tyler. I remember, like me, you were saying that before going into CJEP, you weren't very artistically driven or you didn't really have those outlets that, you know, pushed you out of your bubble. So I want to ask, because I feel like it's a very Quebecois phenomenon to, to have this experience of CJEP and have something like that that allows you to explore different avenues and push you out of your bubble. So I want to hear your experience with that. Yeah, well, so the big difference was probably my self-development. In high school, I, like, I was super shy. I remember around like sec one and the Chris knows this, but like between like sec one, sec two, maybe even sec three, I was super shy. Like I only had like a particular friend group didn't talk to anyone else so showing off my music at the time was just a no-go for me it wouldn't happen at all you mentioned you grew up in a, in a small town in quebec yeah very small <laughs> and what was the experience like there it's definitely calmer than the city i i prefer it true and and what's the artistic scene like in, in rural quebec from my experience we usually have um events that happen down well and out downtown it's pretty small Our downtown has like um these small music festival things and they have like i guess local or quebec artists go up and play like even during COVID, at one point they had a dj go on but it was a virtual show in the little square also we have the balloon festival which is a big big thing like if there's anything that influences uh i guess even montreal in general is a balloon festival i've never i don't know if you went i i personally haven't been there myself but that actually sounds really interesting that's that's actually super cool and you know i i've always kind of grown up in in the suburbs in, in the city so it's it's always so cool to me to hear about experiences from the rural areas because in the summer that's one of my favorite things to do is go to these small towns and actually just stay in like small like little condos and I, I never got to live that rural life, so it's cool to hear how it how it was for you. Would you say that in those rural areas, I know you said there were like events in the square every now and then, but the community there, where you, I know you said with the school you were very tight knit, but the artist community, do you find a lot of uh, connections through there? None, zero. I haven't met another artist in Saint Jean. From what I know, I'm the only one in the like little town. So there has to be another huh. one. I don't know any others. So do you think more could have been done to, to, let's say, like have different outreach programs at your school in those smaller towns to, to connect you with resources to pursue those kind of arts? So in elementary, we had a music course, but like it doesn't really go past, like it doesn't go into the sec one, sec two, sec three. The far as this it goes is if you want to join choir. And even at that, okay. like, it's restricted uh, entry. So, um, mm-hmm. no, after elementary school, there's nothing really that even motivates us to go into, like, the arts. I feel like that's such a missed opportunity because 
when I think about this, I always get kind of taken back, right? Because if you think about Montreal, if you think about Quebec culture, what always is most apparent to me is that we're a culture of artists. And I don't know if, if that's just me, but I feel like our, our cultural identity is really based around the fact that we're a mosaic of cultures. We're not really a melting pot in this province. It's, it's like if you're from a different culture and you live in Montreal or you live in Quebec City, then you're, there's an artist attached to your, to your community that is putting their art out there. I feel like there's tons of that in Montreal. And so I feel like it's such a missed opportunity to be hearing those voices from those small towns. I feel like so much art can be produced, so much, you know, so many voices can be heard, so many stories can be told, but if there were proper networks for those students to be getting that, yeah. that voice. Can I add on to that? Tyler and I went to the same high school. We went to St. Yeah. John's in St. jean de Richelieu, which is a very small Anglophone high school amid St. jean de Richelieu, right? And there was nothing provided for students in terms of programs, in terms of outreach opportunities. Like we had the choir program, which was organized by our music teacher, but it was all voluntary. It was her who put in the time to organize a choir. And a choir is not the best escape for artists to discover their own unique style of art and music or whatever they want to produce. I was always surprised when I heard, once I got to Sejep, about all these other experiences of students coming from larger schools who had music programs who, you know, participated in big concerts, you know, and we never had anything like that. So I find that artists like Tyler who went to the same high school as me, they didn't necessarily have the same opportunities to develop their artistic talents or their passion. Even for me in, in the massive high school I did go, I remember there were so many artistic and creative voices that now I'm, I'm very grateful that I'm seeing a lot of them actually pursue what they were interested in high school. But I can't imagine if you go to these small towns in Quebec and you go to these high schools, you go to these CGEPs, you'll find so many creative voices that will just never see the light of day. One of the things I wanted to get into is how that transfer into CGEP kind of opens the doors. Because I know for a lot of students that are coming from these small towns, we end up going to, to CGEPs that are, that are in inner bigger cities. And that does open up a lot of doors, you know, for me personally. I know, Tyler, you were talking about it. But Chris, you have a lot of hands-on experience with work in CGEP. So I want to hear from you, you know, what kind of resources and opportunities are available to students, like up and coming students that are going to be entering CGEP in, in fall 2021, what can they expect in terms of avenues and opportunities for, for reaching their artistic goals? My real true honest advice to people is to get involved, not only get involved in clubs or things that you want to associate with, but also participate in events. There's so many events that are free and that are organized. And the only thing that you have to do is get involved. If you get involved, you will find like-minded individuals that will support you as well, and you'll find your voice with them. Because there's so many different passionate people who enter SEJEP, and they don't necessarily have an identity yet. You enter SEJEP, you're still young, you're coming out of high school, you don't have that identity you associate with, you don't necessarily know your place. Which is why SEJEP is great, because there's a place for everybody like that. There's a place for the artists and the athletes, but there's also a big place for people who are just passionate and want to get involved. It's such a great opportunity that we have to work together and find our identities together. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a reflection of not only CJA, but I think that's also a bit of a reflection of the Montreal culture as a whole. It's been interesting this past couple of weeks. A lot of people that I was explaining, you know, the idea of this podcast to didn't actually go to CJA. I, I spoke to six people who were kind of taken back when I was telling them my CJ experience because they came from Ontario or they came from these different provinces and went straight to university in Montreal and never actually got to experience it. 
So it, it is this, this weird cultural experience, I think. It's, it's kind of unique to Quebec, and I'm personally so grateful that I got to do it, and I'm happy, Tyler, you were able to find your creative voice. And we're going to be listening to some of Tyler's music a little bit later on in the show, and I love Tyler's music, and I'm sure you guys will too. Chris, Tyler, thank you for being here, you guys. I really enjoyed this conversation with you guys, and it was super insightful. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Welcome back. I want to deepen this conversation a little bit. I'm going to introduce to you our next guest. She is very well-rounded in the arts around Montreal. She has worked for over a decade with English-speaking Seaship students in the Dawson Theatre Collective and as a teacher. This was a club that she created that would gather a team of students every year outside of the theatre program to write a play and put on a spectacular three-night production on original plays that she created as an outlet for students to express their creativity and work together. The best part is that all the proceeds went to building schools in Malawi. In 2019, she left this club to open her own theater, in which she puts on events throughout the year. So without further ado, and I want to get right into it and discuss this idea of this Montreal style. I know we are in no way a melting pot in Quebec. We are quite literally a mosaic because I feel like every culture, every hidden community in Montreal has in some way an artist that that pushes out their style and that's kind of created this huge variety. If you go to different parts of Montreal, you'll see different styles of music, different styles of art. And so I want to ask, do you feel that Montreal, Quebec culture has had an influence on the way you create? I mean, of course. Of I'm course. a born and bred Montrealer. I come from two distinct communities. I'm half French and half English. I married a Jewish person. I've got Jewish kids. I am definitely a kind of mutt, a Montreal mutt, as so many of us are. How does that affect my writing? I would imagine in many ways. As a playwright, I don't think there's any consistency. I was going to say, you know, whether I really examined Montreal as a place, I think the only play I did that in was The Assumption of Empire of my own plays, which is about a woman. The play begins when she's 20 and it ends when she's in her 50s and it culminates in the shooting at Dawson College where her daughter is attending. And that was about how our empires fall, that we assume we, we sort of control all these personal and social empires that don't that don't last. I think COVID was probably a good example of that as well. But my other plays, like, I don't know if, I think I've, I've, I've written a few that were set specifically here and that certainly examined particular issues here. Another one, Very Heaven, that I did at the Centaur in 1999, very much a Quebec play, very much about Quebec Anglos and this sort of funny line that we walk here, this kind of odd uncertain footing that we have here. And then my novels are, are very, very, very much set in Quebec. Uh, and very much, uh, I have my two main characters are uh, half French, half English Dawson biology professor and a francophone homicide cop. And then there's a whole cast of other characters that are quite diverse and quite different. And so, you know, yes, of course, uh, Montreal is a completely unique city. There's no other place on the planet like this city. I defy anyone to challenge that with all its wonders and, you know, awfulness because it has both mostly mostly good things but there's a lot of pretty weird stuff that goes on here i absolutely agree with that i know exactly what you mean because i feel that there's been such a such an influence in my own art from the city and from the province but i would never be able to explain it in words how those things have influenced it i just know that there's certain experiences that i've gone through that have kind of molded the way i create you specifically have a lot of experience working with youth in, in DTC. And I know that came with 
a lot of challenges, but also probably a lot of insight because I know just being a part of it, I saw that there were people from a huge variety of backgrounds. I remember there were some shows where people weren't able to attend rehearsal because of certain religious rules or they, you know, they, they disagreed with a lot of things. But in the long run, what do you think it is about the CGEP experience that pushes people to get more involved? So, I mean, I was a teacher at Dawson for almost 30 years. So I was, you know, a teacher there. So that I worked with youth in that sense because because I did for many, many years. But more specifically with the Dawson Theatre Collective, which I started working very directly with, like sort of taking command of it, if you will, in 2009. But I had worked with the, with some students um, before that on a couple of shows, like with Michaela de Cesare, um, who's a very well-known Montreal playwright now. So, so it was falling apart because, you know, students were trying to hold down, uh, you know, whatever, 10, 11, however many courses students take. And, you know, students who, who tend to, like in the case of Michaela, write their own plays and then direct them and star in them, you know, tend to be sort of type A's anyway. So also very good students, you know, had a very full course load. So it was just like, at the beginning, it was just kind of basics, like, like booking rooms for them and rehearsal spaces. And, you know, and then it became, in 2008, I got together with a group of liberal arts students who really wanted to write a play. So I thought, great, I'm a playwright, I can oversee that. And so we got together and we decided because it was the 40th anniversary, was it, it was the 40th anniversary of Dawson College, we wrote a play called Uphill Both Ways, which looked at Dawson in 1969 and 2000. And it was 2008, because I remember we hadn't quite hit the 40th anniversary mark. It was a fantastic show. It was, it, it, you know, because it was the first one, I guess in some ways it's my favorite. Way fewer characters. I think there were 12 of us in that. That's a big juxtaposition from the 30 that we had in, I think, Oedipus. But it was really fantastic because I think each of us wrote one scene and then I kind of did the big overall edit. It. And it was wildly successful. It was just the funniest thing. And none of us expected that because we just didn't. We didn't know what this was really. But um, we sold out all our shows. We People were asking to buy the soundtrack from that show, which I had put together, you know, songs of the 60s, basically. And I thought, well, I can't, like, as much as I'd like to sell the soundtrack, that's not actually legal. <laughs> so it was really fun. But, you know, also, like, hard-hitting. Like, there were a couple of scenes in that that were pretty tough to look at. A couple of, uh, one about a young woman who was cutting herself and feeling very, you know, sort of on the edge. And uh, I wrote a scene about the moon, the men walking on the moon. My memory of watching that and then... I think, as, as I remember well, the thesis or the gist of the scene was that, you know, there was mum and dad and the two kids watching the moonwalk, but mum was still fetching, making supper and fetching her husband a beer and still not, you know, liberated from her own household. That's what happened with that. And there were, you know, there's always challenges. And in, in those early days, like getting a room was really tough. You know, we've never, the DTC has never been a course. So, you know, students always had to do it as an extracurricular, which always amazed me, including students like you that would work so, so hard on these shows. So, yeah, I think there were challenges, but, you know, I, I think what made the DT, the Dawson Theatre Collective special as the years unfolded was our sense of generosity, really wanting to put a great show on. And I think I don't think we ever didn't put a great show on in all those years, like a really unusual, challenging, funny show. The fact that, you know, anybody could be in the play. So we did audition for roles, but we, everybody who auditioned got a role. And so sometimes we had, you know, really strong, experienced actors. And sometimes we had people who, you know, it was very challenging to get them on stage. And then there were always the surprises. You know, the kids who you think, wow, you know, this this guy's not going to make it. You know, this guy is not going to make it to the end of this process. And, and 
And, and he or she did, you know, despite maybe being, you know, autistic or being ter- has terrible stage shyness or, or a whole host of things, personal issues, uh, you know. So it was, always, it was always kind of a miracle, as, we, as, as you'll recall, Sampreet. We always just say it's a bit of a miracle. That's something that particularly, I think, intrigues me the most, right? It's, it's this idea that we, in that short amount of like maybe six, seven months, we all came from such different backgrounds. We all came, you know, like you said, we all had such heavy workloads. But it, in the end, what you created was this sense of community and this sense of, uh, I think, reassurance from each other. It, it definitely did something different that th- there was done in the DTC that pushed and inspired the people that left to be more confident in their creation, I think, specifically. Because similarly to how you said that we have, um, you know, there were people that you didn't think would make it. And I remember there were a few people that came in um, that were very quiet, but ended up being some of my favorite actors in the entire show. His name is slipping my mind right now, but both years, he put, he was so excellent. Jason, he, he completely blew me away both years, but he was the quietest person I had met outside. He didn't have Facebook. He didn't have Instagram. I think the only way we were able to contact him was via email, but still he came on. And so I want to, I want to ask, what do you think about the DTC created that strong sense of community and like uh, allowed everybody to push the best out of themselves? I know this sounds really corny, but love. Love? Love. Love for the stage, love for love for each other. For each other, love for the stage. I mean, we didn't all love each other, obviously, but <laughs> at, at, at the core of it was a real desire to do something, to put something good on stage. I mean, I you know, as much as when you look back on DTC shows, you realize it really is about the process more than the product. But as you know, at any rehearsals you'd be at, I'd say, yeah, well, the product matters too. And it matters to me a lot. And I want to put something just really terrific, really, really good on stage. And, and that, I don't mean good in, in terms of, you know, we had the best actors in Montreal. I meant good in terms of the authenticity of the performances, the authenticity of the writing, the inventiveness of the writing, the originality of the writing, playfulness of the show, you know, and then as, as the years unfolded, of course, we got these unbelievable sets that Danielle would put together and, you know, it just got sort of bigger and fancier and starting to look like Stratford. But yeah, at the core of it, I think it was a sense that we were all in this together, that we all all wanted to move towards this great show and that along the way I think we all worked very hard at just not tolerating a lot of the crap that goes on with 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 some you know in the theater with some of this stuff like this backstabbing you know petty nonsense I mean I'm not saying that wasn't there but I think everyone understood that we had to support each other and I still I'm very moved when I think back to the DTC when I think of the unbelievable generosity of all of you in it, of the alumni that used to come back year after year and help us run lines and coach and build sets and the the um, generosity from the community, the support from the college. I mean, it was really extraordinary. And I don't know, I think probably in terms of theater, I've done a fair amount of professional theater. I think it's the single-handed best experience of my life. It was fantastic. And I know that a lot of the students went on, like, you know, it was a gang who started a group at Concordia afterwards. And I'm still very good friends with quite a few former DTCers and some have gone on to have babies now and <laughs> we have a few DTC babies and I think a lot of you I'm assuming you're still in touch with a few people that's that's one of the things actually that I loved most about it and similarly to how you were saying the, the DTC and that CGEP experience was 
I think to this day, some of the best memories and experiences I had in my life. Because as you said, the ACT is is, is now a great program at Concordia, a great club at Concordia, and they put on plays in the fringe. And I feel like there's something so unique and powerful about that CGIP experience that in, in, in a lot of ways, it builds your networks for the rest of life. It's something they were able to accomplish at in CGEP. And I've spoken to people that have similar experiences, going to Champlain, going to Abbott, where it builds this community and networking that was never really achieved in university. Now, mind you, I was there for like maybe six months before COVID happened and we've been working home since. But in my short stint in person at university, I didn't see the same level of involvedness or the same level of community or the same level of pushing each other to be the best version of yourself. And I think that's something that was very unique to my CGEP experience and from talking to other people, it's it, a lot of people have that same that same kind of experience of CGEP allowing them to find who they are. The students coming to CGEP are just out of high school. So they've, you know, they're, they're chafing to get out of high school by grade, by what? End of grade 10, you're kind of done, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you're, you're dying to get away from the courses you have to take and, you know, the restrictions of high school and then and even sort of the patterns in terms of friends and all that, you know, not high school can be wonderful, but for a lot of kids, getting to CGEP is really liberating because you break a lot of those patterns and those expectations and you get to kind of reinvent yourself a little bit, right? Whereas at university, you know, it's tougher. University is harder. So, you know, there's more study, there's more of that. It's much bigger. You're not in a class of 40 people, you're in a class of 400 people. I mean, that makes a big difference. So probably at university, the key to feeling part of it too is to join, make some kind of community for yourself there, either in theater or, you know, whatever club they have. In CGEP, I think it's a lot easier. And I'd like to say, especially at Dawson, because there's just so many great clubs that you can join. So I think with with the DTC, you know, or that experience, I think uh, I think people did feel like, you know, if you're somebody who has never been on stage, never acted, never sang in front of people, you know, and suddenly this crazy middle-aged woman decides that you're going to sing this solo in front of a whole audience and do a tap dance, you know, with some chorus behind you. I mean, you could either, as Deborah would say, run out of the room screaming, or you go, oh, okay, I'm going to try this, you know, and I think... I think the DTC gave people, I think, permission to fail and try again and try again. And, uh, and I think that does for sure that builds confidence. You know, I think it's, it's critically important. But I do think it's the age. You know, I do think there's something about 17, 18, 19, where you're a little more open. You know, by university, you're just, everybody's just too smart and too, you know, they know too much or something. And that's why I love teaching CJAP. I love, love, love students at that age. It's just, that's just my absolute favorite people to work with. I can completely agree. And we could probably go on for like hours just talking about about stuff like this, but I don't want to keep you too long. So I did want to ask for people that are listening to this podcast that are about to enter CGEP or are just missing their CGEP experience because of COVID, what tricks, what avenues do you think you would recommend those students to take to find that creative voice? How would you suggest that they get involved to find their voice as an artist. During COVID, it's a little challenging, but you know, once we can get out a little bit, well, you go find your people, you know, just go find your people. Now you have to figure out who your people are. They might be theater people. They might be uh, anime people. They might be, um, you know, a group of like-minded artists. Uh, they might be, you might go sing in a choir with a bunch of people. I sing in a, I've well, sung in a choir all through Zoom on Zoom. It's quite bizarre. We can't really... <laughs> We have to mute ourselves and then kind of sing. Like, it's quite odd, but but we've done it. And, you know, I think a lot of us do it 
to be honest, mostly just to see each other. You know, I don't even know if it's so much about the singing, but anything that, you know, gives you a sense of building something or creating something together with someone else. That's to me, that's the way to go, because that's where you find your people. That's where you find your community. And in the end, you know, as COVID has taught us so abundantly, that's what we need. We are social beings, even those of us who are introverts. And, you know, I know for some people, COVID has been the best thing ever because they don't ever have to go outside. But most of us, I think, need other people and we need to feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think we need to feel connected to something larger and something meaningful and finding other people and, and, and creating something together is a way to do it. And if you can't find other people, I can tell you how to be a writer. I know a lot I of think- writers who don't write. They like thinking about writing. They like talking about writing. They like telling me they have no time to write. But in the end, you just have to sit down and do it. Don't wait for inspiration. Sit down at your desk and write. And I think I think that is the perfect way to sum all this up. Similarly to how you said with the DTC, I think the true beauty of it is in the the journey, right? And the the final product, that final book you get, that's not what defines you as an artist. It's how you face those challenges in coming up with that, right? So I think that's a perfect way to end it off, but also a great way to just remind everyone, flex those artistic muscles, use what you have, what you can use, and, and just always try to create. And if no one's going to hear it, create for yourself. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. And, you know, just tell 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 your story. Tell Find your voice. That's what matters because you're the only one who has it. Only you have that voice. Nobody else has access to that. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Anne, for your time. It was great to see you, Sam Freed. I've missed you, and I'm just imagining you in your costumes now. (laughs) (laughs) That all being said, hopefully when this is all all over, I can visit some of your shows at Theatre West End. Do you want to tell everybody a bit about Theatre West End? Yeah, sure, I will. I'd love to. Um, Theatre West End was founded by myself, Laura Mitchell, my colleague of many, many years at Dawson and in theatre, my daughter, Alice Aberson, and Danielle Zidwowski. And so we, we got together because we wanted to, to, to create a, a theater in the west end of the city that is somewhat underserved. And we the idea was really to bring to do two things. It was kind of two-pronged. One is to support emerging professional writers by, by looking at their work and, and hopefully putting on their plays, by also putting on the work of, of, of emerged professional writers, say such as myself, but not necessarily me, obviously. And the other part was to do more community theater. And that something along the lines of DTC with an eye to serving communities that traditionally don't think of the theater as being for them, as something that, you know, people dress up to and go to. And we did have our home at, you know, Westmount Park United Church, but we had to move out because of COVID and a whole host of other things. So, you know, we're a theater looking for a home and looking for a little support, but, uh, you know, baby steps. That's truly wonderful. And for everyone listening at home, you can go to the whyforwhy.org website, find the podcast section. There we will have a list of resources of different programs and projects you guys can find, such as Theatre West End, to support local artists and to get involved in your community. Thanks so much, Sam. No, thank you, Anne. And with that, our journey here today comes to an end. And I want to thank Anne, Tyler, and Christopher for providing some great insights into perspectives that I never really got the chance to consider. We're going to be listening to a song by Tyler called Nothing Matters. Before that, I want you to remember, friends, you are the culture. We are the culture. So go out there, keep your voices heard so we can build upon this ever-changing mosaic that is the Quebec identity. Thank you very much and see you next time.
welcome. You've made it to the end. I wanted to give a big thank you to Canadian Heritage Organization for supporting this project, and I also want to thank the Upford Network for its support in making this episode possible. So thank you to everyone for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and if you feel like you have something you want to talk about, an issue that needs awareness, or even an artist that you feel should get some support, send me an email and contact us on our podcast website, and I would love to dive into it on the show. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.